Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. So here's this thing I got going during worship. Josh last week mentioned this whole like reality, a big word that starts with M. Does anyone remember what it was? Momentum. Everybody remembers. Yes, that's good. There, listen, there is... People are like, I don't remember. Anyway, whatever. He said it. Josh said it. And he's prophetic. So it's important. So anyway, seriously. Um, but he talked about this momentum that is happening in Airborne right now. And I think most of you are feeling that. Like you're like, what is this? And it's this like, yeah, that's really good. But I know that's not it. And that's what momentum looks like, right? So I was like, oh, man, momentum. What does that actually mean? And it had to take me right back to your high school physics. You ready? It's summer. Middle of summer. Y'all need a quick refresher, right? Okay. There was this dude, right? His name. Oh, no. That marker's. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Josiah caught it. All right. This dude named Newton, right? Remember that? No, don't groan. This is cool because guess what? God was working and thinking and figuring this all out way before Newton. And then he just had this guy named Newton that he created. And he's like, I'm going to let this guy figure out some cool stuff, blow some people's minds. And then people are going to figure out, wait, this wasn't Newton's original idea. But he did like this whole one, two, three law thing of motion. Do you remember this? First law of motion. Does anybody know it right off? First law, Newton's first law of motion. Micah? Yeah, by an external force. That's half of it. The other half is an object at rest will stay at rest until acted on by. Doesn't this sound like God? Yeah, he got rev right there. I was like, whoa scientific revelation does that make sense an object at rest a ball on a thing like right is going to stay there that's a law of motion until something knocks it into motion right but also an object here we go see that Ooh. movement marks you see that that's power right there an object, I know, it's like it's really moving. It's like a magic whiteboard. Okay. An object in motion stays in motion unless stopped by an outside force. Okay? So you got a momentum thing going here, which means you are in motion, right? You're no longer at rest because an object at rest has no momentum. Zero. So something in your life has cracked in the last few weeks, months, years, whenever this has begun to stir within you and it's different in everybody a little bit, but there's this critical momentum that's existing. We'd call it a critical mass. That's another physics term, right? That's happening. And check this out, right? The second law of motion, I don't know. Yeah, do you know this one? Nope. Nope, that's not it. That's number three. We'll get there. Okay? That's the third one. Newton's second law of motion has to do with what? No, not exactly. 
This one, this one doesn't have a cute saying, I don't think. There's not like a cute way to say this one, but it has a formula. Does anybody remember it? No, I put part of it up there. What would F be? Force. Force. Right? The force of an object, okay, moving close equals mass times acceleration. Holy cow. Get this. Here we go. The force that's going on, and this is like crazy revelation. I hope I get further than this tonight, but it might not. I don't know. We'll see. Get this. The force is equal to the mass, critical mass. Because the greater mass of an object, the greater momentum it has. Do you get this? Any physics people in here? The greater, it's like, you. it takes a little bit more force to get a larger mass item moving, right? It's like kind of easy, if you will, for one person in this room to get like wrecked by God, right? Like, oh my gosh, right? Like, that's powerful and it's really good, but... You get 100 teenagers in the room, it might take a little bit more overall force to get an entire large mass of teenagers moving in a direction. However, it also takes infinitely more force to slow down an infinitely larger massive object. Does this make sense? Like, okay, let's do this. If I roll a ping pong ball across the floor you could probably stop it with your tongue. If I bring a bowling ball in here and I say, get down on all fours, I'm going to wing this thing past you. I want you to stop it with your tongue. Are you getting what I'm saying? It takes a little bit larger force to stop a more massive object. We could turn that into a car. Be like, stop this one. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, Probably not. But a ping pong ball has almost no mass. So it's kind of this like, beep. So here's the deal. This momentum as a critical mass of people together, and I'm hearing more and more talk among you guys about this whole like, oh, my gosh, I just feel like we're all united in this thing. I feel like together we're praying and encouraging each other. Together we're worshiping, and it's not just about me standing here worshiping, but there's this thing about, like, we're doing this, like, like, there's mass behind it, and it feels like a greater thing going on here, because there's more mass, which makes for more acceleration, which means we're moving faster, because acceleration is that increase in speed. Does that make sense? You with me? The third law of motion, this is all really cool, okay, is, Tyler, what is it? Oh, no, no. He knows it. He knows it. I just put him on the spot. Yes, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I punch you in the face, you probably punch me back, right? Unless I hit you hard enough. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. I'm a nice guy, okay? I've literally never punched anybody. Just saying, okay? I did. I slapped the horse, okay? And it hurt. Okay, so... But listen, for every force, there's an equal and opposite reaction or action. Does this make sense? So, like, you're in motion. There's momentum within you in Airborne, and it's powerful, and God is, like, behind it, and he's like, accelerate it, accelerate it, accelerate it. He's seeing this, like, and you're feeling it. But the enemy doesn't 
enjoy what he's seeing. You've heard me talk about this before, right? So for every action, there's this pushback. How many of you have felt that in the midst of this? Yeah, like, yeah, football. There's a line in front of you. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier without defense, right? How many of you felt pushback from the enemy in the midst of this momentum that you're feeling? You're like, oh, God met me, and I was, like, crying at airborne, and it was like the beach trip was so amazing that I got home, and my parents yelled at me, and blah, 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 like, right? Anybody else have, like, anything come up against them in the last three weeks? Whoa, right? So, look, it's matching what we already know to be true in nature. There's spiritual realities that are going with that. So I want to encourage you. That's fine because... The one thing that isn't exactly the same here is that the enemy doesn't have an equal force. He doesn't equal what you have behind you. He can't stop unless you internally add to the force of resistance to slow yourself down, which is really easy to do too. God will get all up in your brain and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I don't know. That's all that I have, Newton for this. Okay. Bye. Good job. So everybody's like, yes, get rid of the science for the day. Whatever. Okay. So this is really cool. I've got this whole other thing that wasn't planned. I just kind of thought whatever. Hope it met somebody somewhere. But Emily, where are you at? Come here, Emily. Emily just uh, texted me yesterday and said, I had this dream. Like, was it yesterday morning or was it Monday afternoon or something? Yeah, she texted and said, I had this dream. I got to send, I'm going to email it to you because it's too long to text. I was like, great, no problem. So I get it like late yesterday afternoon. I didn't even get a chance to read it till this morning. And I read it and was like, no stinking way. But anyway, I want her to share this dream she had. And I want you to catch this whole thing. And then we're going to go from there. Sorry, I can't draw it. I can show you. So I had this dream about two weeks ago that um, I was looking at somebody's hand. And it was palm up like this in front of me. And I saw this nail scar in the hand right about um, at the palm. And it was very real. Um, like, I'd never seen, like, a scar like that before. And I saw, like, rust around the nail where the scar was. And I thought, wow, this must be Jesus' hand. Like, this is the mark of the crucifixion. crucifixion. And it was so um, vivid in my dream. I was like, wow, that's cool. And then somebody asked me, they said, Emily, is that your hand? And I was looking down. I'm like, no, it's not my hand. Then I reached out, and I was like, wait, it is my hand. It's, it's my hand, and I just began to weep because I realized that somehow um, I, was, I was wearing, um, I had the marks of the crucifixion on me, but I didn't do anything, anything for it. Like, Jesus um, paid everything for me, and I just had the benefits. Um, and so then I was thinking about how um, my sister mentioned it once. She was like, how do I be dead to sin and alive in Christ? And I was just thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that's so true. Um, through the cross, um, we were given, we, God offered this forgiveness, and when we received it, we became dead to sin and alive to Christ, and Jesus just closed us in the righteousness of himself, and so we have all the benefits um, that he suffered for. Um, so, yeah, I opened Romans 6 and just read that whole chapter about being dead to sin and alive in Christ, and that completely wrecked me, but that's um, available for you, too, um, to just take a hold of that because the sin doesn't have any power in your life anymore. You're completely whole and redeemed in him. Come on. That is so cool. So listen, this got me so fired up because the minute I read that this morning, I was like, nah, where's Ryan? 
where you at. Ryan, you came and asked me yesterday. You said, hey, what do you feel like you're preaching on tomorrow night? Right? It was yesterday before, like, and I was like, man, I've got Romans 6 just like is burning inside of me. And I don't yet know exactly what all that means and all this. And then I read Emily's email this morning and I'm like, no, because she's like, Romans 6, Romans 6, this is it. And I was like, okay, so God's going to go with Romans 6 today. Is that cool? So it's going to be like, it's going to be the word a whole bunch. Because Romans 6 is like this crazy packed down insane amount of information but it's really not complicated so i don't want you to get like oh my gosh but we're actually gonna put it up on the screen i'm gonna try to read through it and i'll try to just keep going but i probably won't because i always get hung up on something i just want to yank out of it is that cool but we're gonna try to plow through an entire chapter of romans and i want you to capture this based on the vision that emily had i want you to that dream that she had there's this reality that it wasn't just Jesus went to the cross and died for you and for your sins, and then you came along somewhere, is this actual reality that Romans pulls out that you were actually, like, you were with Christ on the cross in this really mystical, weird thing, okay? Because God, Christ didn't die for you on the cross. He died as you on the cross, took your sins with him, took you with him onto the cross, but because you weren't alive yet, you didn't suffer. He did the suffering on your behalf, like Emily said, like, I didn't do what he did, but in the same way you were with him. Does that make sense? So we're going to try to plow through Romans 1 right here, or Romans 6. Romans 5 ends with this whole thing talking about how, like, the more there is sin, the more that grace abounds. means God's, like, goodness and forgiveness just oozes out. The more that there's sin, it's just like, blah. But then the first question of Romans 6 kind of tags off of that because you can start to go, like, oh, well, if we want God's goodness to ooze more, we should sin more, Right? That it kind of you start to think like, oh well, if God you know forgives more when there's more sin, then that's like awesome. I'll just sin more so God can be good. Anybody? No, you don't think this at all. Oh my gosh, good. You guys are wonderful. Anyway, but Paul was really clear as he wrote this to be like, no, 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 no. Don't get this wrong because he talks about the goodness of God coming as a result as like a, a like because sin exists, there's more and more and more. So here we go. Oh, you got those up there. You ready, Brent? 6-1. Here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase even more? And he says this phrase right here. It says, genomai, genomai is the Greek. Okay? It's not in English. It's genomai, me, genomai, which means no, idiot. <laughs> rough, rough translation. Okay? By no means is what it actually says right there. By no means. But it's literally this like, are you stupid? Don't think, no, don't even let that thought fester in your brain and in your mind. We cannot live and go in that way, okay? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, how many was that? How many baptized into Christ Jesus? We did that, remember? But water, beach, remember? Baptized? Oh, right. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, right? Death, what did that look like? It looked like a hospital or something. Okay. Okay, so we have the cross. So those who were baptized into Christ were also baptized into his death. We talked about that, right? You get baptized is the... You go under the water. That's dying. You're dead. 
Y'all's dead. Yes, you're dead. Say this right here. Say, I'm dead. I'm dead. Praise the Lord. All right, good. We're just going to go with that. Okay. Verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, right? Raised from the dead. This is what it always looks like, right? Uh, It's the tomb, right? There we go. So... If you were baptized, Daniel, can you turn this mic up a little bit? I know it's loud, but I'll lose my voice if I scream too much. I want it to be loud. I'll try to back it off. Okay. Yes. Can you hear me now? Just barely? Okay, good. All right. So it says in that verse 4 right there, if we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Okay? Now, Brent, do you have the slide that she made for the word Zoe? Yeah, sorry, I'm making him do like multimedia day like crazy. So new life, okay, I looked this up in the Greek too because I know like why does this matter? Because it actually does matter because like sometimes English doesn't fully encapsulate it, right? Because life, you're like, okay, great, I'm living. There is this really crazy thing. The actual Greek usage of the word is Zoe for life. Okay, the state of one who possesses a, vital, a vitality or is animate, and ev- or it's every living soul, okay, then it goes down to two, of absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God, and through him both the hypostatic, logos, and to Christ in whom the logos, which is the word, okay, the word who was Christ, okay, the logos, put on human nature. Then B, life real and genuine. How many of you get this? Real and genuine life. How many of you desire this? Come on. Real and genuine life. Not just like, I'm just getting through and it really sucks. Okay? That's not it. Real and genuine life. A life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion, even in this world, even in this world. Even in this world. This isn't a promise for eternity in heaven. This is now. This is for real. Okay? I got to find where I was on that one because it's like on the other side over here. Okay? Um, even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by the accessions. What are accessions? Accessions, right here. The long word right there. Among them, a more. How many of you are on that one? Come on. A more perfect body. Receive it. Come on, people. Nobody cares. They're like, nah, I don't care. Y'all gawked at Nathaniel when he walked up here with that muscle shirt on. You're like, oh, he's got life. <laughs> oh, I know. It says right there, this is like the root meaning of what life means. There's something, and it's not just in heaven. It says, even in this world, those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be completely with a perfect body, that's really good, and to last forever. Okay, ascensions. I had to figure out what that word meant. Anybody know what accessions means? Sorry. Accessions, not ascensions. Accessions. Anybody know what that means? I didn't either. Next slide, Brent. Accessions. Again, I know, a bunch of Greek and all this stuff. This is actually just dictionary definition right here. The act of coming into the possession of a right 
title, office, ascension to a throne. This is the gaining of something new. The gaining of something better. So we're going back to the word zoe, this life, because when we were resurrected with Christ, we received this new life, right? You've heard me say this a bunch of times recently. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. You're getting this in your brain now, right? It's now in your heart. You're like, new creation, what does that mean? It means life, fullness, vitality, boldness, perfect body. Hey, name it and claim it or something like that. Because okay, It says an increase by something added. It's like more, it's a session of territory, like the increase of territory. I mean, you want land. Come on, you want to own land someday, like a ranch in Texas with longhorns and horses. No. Paige is like, no, I lived in Texas. It's awful. Anyway, come on. Some people like longhorns and cattle and whatever. And Trenton's like, yeah, I want a ranch, fella, in a big old truck. Big hat. Buckle this big. That's because everyone carries a firearm out there. It's called protection. It's like, bing. <laughs> right? Anyway. How did we get there? Okay, listen. Law. Addition, number four. Addition to property by growth or improvement. Consent, agreement, approval, accession to a demand. International law, formal acceptance of a treaty. It's this like expansion is what this looks like. All that is packed up into that one little word that says new life at the end of what verse was that? Verse four. We got through four verses so far. Wow. That was one word, new life, which in the Greek is just one word, new life. One little word, zoe, means all of that. Do you catch this? That's why we look at the Greek word because we're like, oh, yeah, you're like, I read that in English, new life. Move on. No, we just like drilled down deep and found in one flipping word of Scripture this entire world of truth. It's why the Bible never, ever, ever gets old and dry and dead and awful because you're like, why don't I just work on one word for this year? And you won't find everything about it in an entire year. Pick a word in the Bible. Go. This word, zoe, this word zoe is used 127 times in the New Testament. Yes. For one year, meditate on what the word, what the name Jesus means, everything about it. 127 times in the New Testament, this is talked about, and every single time it's talking about what it means to be baptized, like, like dead with Christ, raised, like buried, raised again with him into total freedom, total abundance, extra expansion, perfect body. I'll keep repeating that one, okay? Well, yeah, your definition of that may not be exactly what God's is, but it'll be better than you expect. Here we go. Verse 5, we're going back to this. Ready, ready, Brent? If we have been united with him like this in his death, then we will also certainly be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, old self, was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be what? The body of sin might be what? Away with. Away with away with forever gone this is the purpose of the cross was not so you can get to heaven it was so that sin gets 
ripped off of you and thrown away to the depths of the ocean where it'll never be seen again to be done away with. When you put the trash out on whatever night of the week at your house, which I hope you do without being reminded, okay? When you put the trash out at the curb, do you want it to come back? Yes? It's like, yes, Mom threw away my favorite stuffed animal. I hope they bring it back. Oh, my gosh, get over it. I know, parents do that. They're like, well, they're not looking. We're getting rid of that disgusting animal. Anyway, and then you're like, oh, Mom. Okay, do you get this? So that the body of sin might be done away with. How many of you want that? Come on, how many of you have experienced a body of sin? Whether it's your own life, the people around you, your family, the crap you've had to walk through, deal with, all this kind of stuff, you know what the body of sin is. How many of you want to be done away with it? Like, well, it's right here. All right. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, where were we? There it is. Okay, we're halfway through verse 6. That we, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So guess what? You died, remember? We said, I died. Praise the Lord. So guess what? You're set free. You got set free from sin because you died with him on the cross, buried, boom. What did he do then? Resurrected. Here we go. We're gonna, this is the best symbol I know for that. It's just like, woof, up, right? Okay, so here's what we've got. Got this? Sin, okay, is what we've, what's all around. Okay, got it, right? The world is broken, fallen, there's problems. You can live right here, or you can recognize that you got put here, moved here, sent here. I'm going to fall off the stage. And resurrected to live, and then there's this whole, like, yay, God, glory, angels, all that stuff, right? All that, but guess what? That's not for yet, except that this suddenly becomes all up in here when you intentionally bring and call heaven down. When we worship, we bring heaven down. We can live in this whole, like, okay, sin's here, heaven's there, and we just got to, like, function, right? An object at rest stays at rest. Got it? And an object in motion stays in motion. When we worship, when we fall before God with our hearts, and just like, it's not just about the music, okay? That's a big piece of, of worship. We're going to do that a lot in heaven, and it's going to be really good. Everyone will like the style, and nobody's going to be jealous of anything or whatever, okay? No drama. We're going to worship our brains out in heaven for all eternity, whatever that looks like in incredible ways. But when we worship, when we set our eyes on this reality that that's us, that's not just Jesus, because we like to be like, oh, Jesus, wow, wow, wow. What if it's Jesus? Wow, wow, wow. We, you were united with him in his death, resurrection, buried, like the whole thing. So what happens when your identity starts to go, I am Jesus. I am in him. That was Jesus' own prayer before he left. His, my prayer is that they would know that they are in me and I am in them and we are in them. And he's talking about being in God and blah, 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 like that there wouldn't be this separation of, oh, wow, holy Jesus, God. No. 
He went to the cross to meet us, to take us, to set us free. The body of sin is gone, dead. Is that crazy? Ah, Anyway. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. With him. Not with him over there. Him with us. Okay? The people you live with, same house. People you ride in the car with, same car. With. Does that make sense? Got a big word. I don't know what the Greek is for that. It's probably with. I don't know. I don't know Greek fluently otherwise. You know, there's some people that do that. It's really good. Okay? For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we're in nine now if you got that. Oh, you're so on it, Brent. You're amazing. For we know that since, we, um, since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. How about that? You can't die again. Yes. Anyway, that's really good. Um, death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. There's another verse that sounds a lot like this, one of my absolute favorites. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer me that lives, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Right? Simple. It's just like, I don't live anymore. It's not about me anymore. And I fully give myself over to trusting in what he did because he gave it all up for me, so I'm happy to give it all up for him. Because God loves that deeply, that when you give it all up for him, he goes, I'm going to give it up for you again. And it becomes this, like, blessing battle. See if you can out-bless Jesus. Be like, Jesus, I'm going to give my whole life to you. He's like, I'm going to give it back to you. <laughs> then you're like, no, I'm going to give it to you. And, I'm gonna... and it's just, poof, poof. And we sing songs like glory to glory to glory, right? We go from glory to glory. That's an exchange of blessing between our hearts just going, it's for you, Jesus. And he's like, I did it for you. And we go, it's for you. And we stop going like, Jesus, I just need more. We just go, no, God, you did it all. I'm going to just throw it at your feet. And he throws it all back and goes, run with it. Then we go, I can't. you got to help me. He's like, okay, let's go. Like, you can't lose Sorry, I had espresso right before. (laughs) Okay, verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count yourselves dead to sin. Look at sin and go, literally, make that sound. Don't look at sin and go like, oh, maybe. Go like, no, I died to that crap. Yeah, it's that fun. It can be. It's not like, oh, i got to struggle with sin. It's like, no, you don't have to struggle with sin. It's dead. The only sin you struggle with is what you decide to hold on to. Right? Because there's not like this struggle. Anyway. Therefore... Verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, like I was just saying. It's all for you. No, it's all for you. Okay? As those who have been bought from death, no, brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. (sighs) 
For sin will not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. The grace of God set you free forever, forever. If you can catch this in you, you keep hearing me say free, free, free. It set you free. It cost him everything. The gift wasn't free, but now it is because he paid it. It's really powerful. Come on. This is the last little segment, I think, here. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? He repeats this whole thing again, and then he says, by no means, right? Genomai me genomai. No, idiot. That's what it says right there. Okay? Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Logical? Yes, when you offer yourself to your boss at work, you're a slave. Sorry, it's not like, okay, we're not talking civil rights slavery. Okay? This is a willing submission. You have full control of what you give and dedicate your heart to every single day. But whatever you decide to give your heart and dedicate yourself to, you become a slave to it. So here's the key. Don't become a slave to anyone. If you have a job... Go to work for God. Not your boss. How about this? Go to work for God. And watch your boss look at you and go, my gosh, I've got to give him a raise. Because suddenly, suddenly, your boss, who probably has their own set of issues, isn't dictating how hard you work for him. Right? If you're working for God, your boss doesn't have any issues. So you serve with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You give yourself, and you're the hardest, best, most integritous worker. That's a big word, most integrity. You don't rob your boss. You don't steal from the cash register. You don't do this and that and, you know, like miscalculate your drawer or miss, like, Misinventory the stock, right? So be like slipping cookies to your friends. Like, come on, like, does this make sense? Because your boss is God. He's not missing anything. He's not like, oh, I don't know how you got that one by me. This is all parts of life. How about your teachers at school? Don't go to school for your teachers and your principals and your administrators. Guess what? They got issues. And listen, if you base your educational process on, man, my teachers are awful and they don't understand me and they don't respect me and they don't like, blah, they judge me, blah, 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 you're a, you're a slave to your teachers. How about you go to school for God? Whoa. Then your teacher doesn't have any issues. What do you do then? You just learn. <gasps> and you get better. And stronger, you become the best of the best, and you represent the God that you're learning under. And you suddenly become love in your classroom, not, oh, this teacher, my gosh. Oh, yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. You suddenly become this difference in the atmosphere of your classroom because you're not a slave to your teacher. That's your choice. You don't even have to go to school every day. Do you know that? The government requires it, but nobody can make you do it. Nobody, not even your parents. You have a choice 
Now listen, you choose wrong. You also choose the consequences that come with it. Right? You don't have to go to school. You skip school enough times, probably jail in your future. Like for real. Some kind of juvenile detention, like whatever that might look like, probation. Right? Your parents ground you. You start that way. Like, oh, you didn't go to school today. Like, there goes the phone. There goes freedom. Guess what? Your parents don't choose your consequences. You do. So this is the same thing in home. Do you live in your home for your parents? Then you're a slave to your parents. How many of you want to be a slave to parents? Nobody. How about that? So what if you live in your home and do family to God? God's your father. He owns your house. It's really fun to be a slave to God because everything around you gets blessed. It isn't, it doesn't wear you out. It doesn't like, oh my gosh, this whole God thing, it just sucks. No, it's like when you live to impress your parents and try to keep them happy and not do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, or oh my gosh, my dad freaks out every time I do anything, even when it's not wrong. You live your whole life for that. That's exhausting. You've all experienced it. You become a slave to what you submit yourself to. Friends, the opinions of people. Are you a slave? Are you a slave to your Instagram feed? Like, sorry, okay? I know, too far, Ben, stop! Pray or something, let's be done. Oh, man. You are slaves to the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You've been set free and have become slaves to righteousness. I put, in the, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Hey, he's just straightforward about it. He's like, look, you wouldn't understand it if I said it in all this heavenly glory stuff. I don't know. That's what he says. Just as you used to offer parts of your body in slavery to impurity, to ever-increasing wickedness, now offer, your bo- offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. Hold on, I got like three verses left. Stay with me. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the, con- or the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of. Can you process that for a second? The things you're now ashamed of doing, what benefit did you reap? That's a real straightforward question. I go like, oh, crap. It's a good one. (laughs) Because I can think of the things that I'm ashamed of doing. I don't carry shame. There's a difference. There's things I've done that I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have. I don't let it define who I am. But heck, yeah, I'm like, shoot, I didn't benefit anything from the stuff that I look back and go, if only I had been a slave to righteousness in that moment, in that season. If I wasn't a slave to the girl I was dating, if I wasn't a slave to the sports team I was on, the guys I was hanging out with, whatever it might be, all the stuff I did, I gained nothing. It's almost over. This is it. 
But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. It's that zoe. Again, the benefit you reap is holiness that leads to eternal zoe. Life, vibrant, depth, perfect body. I said it again. (laughs) Hey, it's just in the Bible. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This isn't this like striving. Oh, gosh, I've got to work so hard. It's a gift from God, but it has to be opened. Simple as that. And you've got to take what's in that gift and use it as it's designed for. Parents hand you the brand new iPhone, all wrapped up in a, you know, in the gift wrap and all that. Birthday time comes, you're like, yes, my phone's been broken for like six months. I'm dying and I need it, you know. You unwrap it, you get right down to the, the little manual. And you're just like, thank you, mom and dad. And you just read it for like six months. <laughs> yeah, What? Yeah, like you don't touch the phone. Like you open the gift and you flip out and you're like, a charger! <laughs> you just hug it and sleep with it, you know, like. And you leave the phone in the box. There's a purpose for the gift. You can open the gift and miss what it's for. So there's more to it than Jesus coming to my heart so I can go to heaven. There's no prayer like that anywhere in the Bible. Just saying. The principle's not wrong to say a prayer to ask God to be the Lord of your life, but it's a gift. You open it, and you can run away with the charger going, look, everybody, what my mommy got me. Like, yeah, you wouldn't do that. You, but you bring your phone to youth. You're like, check this out. You know, like, come on, you know. You, like, lay it out on your desk real proud. I got the new phone. Like, You interact with what the gift is meant to be, and that's your salvation. That's this life that sets you free from sin. And that's what carries this momentum we're talking. It's so cool to experience the presence of God. It is so cool. That's like the present being put in your hands. There's nothing like getting a gift, even not even knowing what it's all about. Somebody gives you a gift, you're like, I'm loved. That's the presence of God. You feel it. God meets you. Something happens and triggers and you're like, how did God know? He made you. You know, that whole thing. But an encounter with God on a Wednesday night, I'm crying or I'm laughing, like so powerful and so real. There's depth to that. It's like that one little word, Zoe. You got to drill down, dig down. What's the depth? What is God giving you in that package? He didn't just give you chills to run down your spine and make you cry for a half an hour. That's part of the gift. But he wants you to open it up and say, wow, you just, you're set free from sin. <laughs> That's not your master anymore. You're not the slave of public opinion. Your beauty doesn't lie in the number of likes you get for that selfie you work so hard to perfect. No, I'm for real. It's not in your eight-pack, Nate. I'm just kidding, all right? God's just like, I set you free, but look, there's holiness that comes out of the whole thing. 
It's like when you just get who you are and that this all matters, you begin to live up here and you pull heaven down and then suddenly heaven starts to invade the world around you that doesn't know who they are yet and sin starts getting wiped out because an object at rest, you know, is going to get pushed out of rest and like sin wrecked. There's more to what God wants to do in you. And I don't want to make this complicated. I hope I'm not making you go like, what? I can't even track what he's talking about. Leave here with this tonight. You're not a slave to sin. You really were set free from the power of it. It doesn't own you anymore because of what Jesus did on the cross. Open the gift, dive in, because every day you'll be like, oh my gosh, new feature. There's a new feature, a new update. You do it with your phone every day. You're like, oh, my gosh, 57 apps need updated. I'm so excited. What about the update to your heart that God wants to just drop? Like Luke said, is this week going to be like last week? Yeah. There's a new update for your heart. But you got to go update. What's the new update have? What's the new features? Because God is ever increasing. Glory to glory to glory to glory. Submit yourselves unto God. Because the other side is, man, you've all experienced it. Submit yourselves to the things of this world, to the ways of this world, to the sinful lusts of your flesh. It comes up so empty and frustrating because you're like, man, I gave so much to that. Jesus says, "That's look, I set you free. Let's move forward now. He's not keeping you like, oh, look what you wasted. Come on, let's move into it. Stand up for me. I want to do something kind of fun and weird, probably weird. But I want to pray for someone specifically tonight. Because I got word this week that um, Cash Me Outside girl. Look, no, listen, she's now in jail. Because all of the car thievery and disobedience and crap that she thought she was so bold in caught up with her. Now listen, I don't say that to be like, ha! I say that to be, look at, look. When, when you come to the end of yourself, there's a real opportunity for vulnerability to what God might want to do in your life. So we're going to pray for her and bless her. Okay? She's in juvenile hall. She's like 14 years old, guys. 14. Like and kind of hit the end of who she is, thought she had it all figured out. Obviously, we're all going like, she's crazy, right? But we just want to bless her and see, what God, what are you going to do in her life? We've done this with Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, like you name it across the board, Miley Cyrus over the years. You guys, if you've been in here long enough, we've blessed them all. Like, hey, God, go do something. And we're seeing fruit in these people's lives. Come on, right? So what's her name? Do we know her name? Cash me outside, girl. What? Danielle, Danielle something. Let's just bless her. Because God's power, all of this is available to her. Somehow us sitting here in a youth room at a church doesn't make us more qualified for this than anybody else. How about it? How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That was good. All right. So... I want you to just put your hands up for a minute, and we're just going to agree together because we're a critical mass, and we've got momentum. 
We've got a force behind us, and his name is Jesus. And God, right now, we just want to bless Danielle, wherever she's at, whatever's going on. God, we just pray you'd meet with her right now, wherever she, wherever she is, whatever she's doing. Holy Spirit, we pray you would just come and meet her in that place, God, that you'd send someone with a message of love to her, God, that she's never heard before. We pray you'd let her know that she can be set free, God, that her heart can be free, that she can be a slave unto righteousness that produces abundant life, God. So we just believe for her soul tonight. We contend and say, Jesus, go meet with her. In whatever way she doesn't even know how to ask, we ask on her behalf and say, God, go. Come on. We're going to take this down a little more personal right now, and I want you to put in your heart someone that you would love to see God encounter. Probably the most unlikely person. The most unlikely person you know of. (laughs) People are like, I know exactly who who I'm thinking of, okay? The most unlikely to meet God person that you can think of right now. Famous, personal, whatever. I like you know them real well. You don't know them hardly at all, but you know of them. Don't tell anybody right now. I just want you in your heart. Close your eyes. Now I want you to bless them. Because in our lips is the power of blessing and cursing. So we're going to choose to look upon, think upon, And choose to speak blessing over those who the world would say are the least qualified. We're going to watch what blessing can do over the hearts of people that are so unlikely, quote unquote. Can we do that? You got somebody? Yes? We do a lot of praying for each other in this place, and we're going to do that. We always do that. But I want you thinking outside this thing, like, wow, what if? What if, what if, what if? Josh was just sharing this story. I want you praying for that person right now, like, just in your own heart. Just bless them. Speak blessing over them. You guys have heard of a guy named Lou Engel, right? Did Josh tell this story? He went to Messiah College. And there was a time in, um, some of you guys know from prayer probably, right? Yeah. There was a time at Messiah College where there was a group of guys on campus that said, hey, we're going to pick the most unlikely Christian on this campus, like unlikely to become a Christian, like the worst dude on campus. And we're just going to pray for him to meet God. Lou Engel was the top of that list at Messiah College. The most like out there messed up, like he was super rock star basketball. He's in the Hall of Fame at the school still to this day, but he was cocky, attitude, life decision problems, the most unlikely at Messiah College to get saved. (laughs) He now gathers tens, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people for prayer meetings for revival in America on a regular basis. If you don't know who he is, he's like, oh, this know, He does this whole thing. You ever seen YouTube videos probably. He's been here a number of times. So I want you to picture that possibility of the person that you're praying for right now in your life. And you're like, man, no way. Kind of. Like part of your heart's like, there's no way. And I want you to, in faith, attach a yeah, Yahweh. 
to that person. Yahweh, also the name of God, Yahweh. Because it's possible. It's possible. Come on. So God, we just bless these people that our hearts are fixed on right now. These people that, man, in every human impression, we would say, nah, no way, no way. We just say Yahweh. Yahweh, God, come. Holy Spirit, encounter them like you've encountered me. That we'd have something common to talk about because we've met with you. God, we pray you would move powerfully. God, that all the words upon the youth of this house would be so much bigger than Harrisburg. God, that Hollywood would be changed and transformed, that our government would be changed and transformed. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Holy Spirit, come. Refresh our hearts, God. We want an update. Give us revelation of who we are as we set our eyes on who you are. May we become more like you in our resurrected life. The zoe, the abundance of life that you promised. Thank you, Father, for these students. In Jesus' name. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.